Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to episode three of the Hammer and Rails podcast starring myself, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are back in your ears today to talk about a few topics. Uh, we're going to touch on the NFL draft, of course, that just finished up yesterday. We're going to let you know where all your favorite Boilermakers landed and uh, what we think of those landing spots. We're also going to touch on the commitment of Brandon Smith to Matt Painter uh, and the Purdue basketball team. He's a class of 2022 recruit. And then we're going to start out with a story uh, about Robbie Hummel and the Olympic three-on-three uh, tournament. So... Um, Casey, have you even, did you even know that three on three was going to be in the Olympics in 2021, which is now the 2020 Olympics? I absolutely did. I wrote about this very early on, not because of Robbie Hummel, but, uh, another Boilermaker, John Octius was pretty big in the three on three scene when it first started. And I thought he would be the Olympic athlete for Purdue. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he was on a pretty good team for a while there and then, uh, the reason this Hummel thing is coming up is actually there was a story in The Guardian um, this past week, um, and it basically just talks about how this three-on-three team came together and what they're doing as they try to pursue uh, the gold medal in the Olympics. And one thing that kind of struck me is you just assume the United States is going to be dominant in any basketball at this point. You know, once we put the NBA players in the in the Olympics – you just assume we're always going to win. Yeah, you know, strange things happen, and then we have the redeem team after we lose. But <laughs> in on the world stage, United States three-on-three three is not considered very good, and that just blew my mind. Yeah, that's part of why those article was so nice, that it wasn't just about Robbie Hummel, but the sport altogether and, you know, how it's come up, how it hasn't. 
Um, in a lot of other countries, they've really latched on to this, you know, model of three by three. And, it, and it's interesting because uh, Hummel kind of touches on it. You don't need nearly as much to have a three on three team. It's literally four players and a coach. Um, the style of basketball is really fun to watch. You're playing with ones and twos, um, very fast pace. You're playing up to 21 or 12 minutes of game time. So it's definitely something that I could see really catch on, especially in smaller areas of the U.S. and even bigger places where, you know, it's a lot easier to get four guys together than it is a whole team. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, you only play half court, um, you know, so there's no there's no fast breaks. There's no, you know, cherry picking where if you play at the park, there's always one guy who like plays defense <laughs> up top and then slowly slips back. Um, so, you know, you just you get a rebound. You got to take it up top. I mean, it's like playing in your backyard with your buddies. So, I mean, it's a pretty interesting style of basketball that you don't see a whole lot of. Yeah, I would argue, you know, everyone says that like baseball is America's game. But what is more fundamentally American than a three on three game like on the court that you have on the side of the street or in your driveway. Yeah. I mean, I love baseball. I know you don't. I know you hate it. Think it's boring. So I'll always cape for baseball when I can. But... I don't like watching it. I coach baseball for like nine years. I played it growing up. It's just, I, I play softball now. Um, just watching it is not. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm, I, 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 it's hard to put up an argument that baseball is the most exciting sport in the world. Um, but I mean, I think you got a you've got a great point about three on three basketball. You know, what kid growing up, especially in Indiana, didn't have a hoop in their backyard or a hoop at their buddy's house who's right around the corner or at the school that you're near, and wouldn't just go over there and play for hours at a time. I mean, even if you were good or you were bad, you could always go over there and you could always just shoot around and play two on two, three on three, whatever, because everybody's got a couple of buddies they can take over there, and and you can't really do that with a lot of other sports. No, I mean, I think the game of 21 should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> just, just how many people are you playing? Um, I mean, you can have different, like you can have the three person 21. I think are three person. Are you, are you doing 21 tipping or just 21? I think Olympic style, you got to allow dunk tip ins, right? Oh, okay. All right. Like only dunks. Yeah. I mean, there, like there was nothing better than lowering the hoop and, get some 21 action going. <laughs> I think I, I think my shoulder still doesn't move correctly from jumping into the backboard, lowered down. <laughs> nice. Nice. So uh, one of the things I think the another thing that I found interesting about this article is it talked about how Hummel got into three on three because, you know, he, of course, he'd always wanted to go to the NBA. He got his chance with the Timberwolves. Um, but he also played, of course, in, overseas he played in spain italy russia um and he ended up with injuries you know obviously he had the two acls he'd had a broken nose when he played he had a, con a few concussions i believe um and he eventually just you know his body was was done and he retired and then a friend of his uh craig moore just basically called him and was like no man you'd be great mm -hmm. at this three on three and originally it was a trip i believe to seoul uh yeah seoul south korea for this tournament, um, and he, and Hummel's like, oh, I've never been to Asia. Sure, I'll do it. And that's how this whole thing started. Somebody basically offered him a free trip to Asia. He's like, I've never been there. And he decided to basically restart his basketball career. Yeah, I mean, he got to a point where he got a job offer to be an announcer that we all see. 
Um, he's been very good at it. I think we talked to him right when he was making that transition. But, I mean, who wouldn't want to go, yeah, free paid trip to, you know, pretty much any country to go play basketball? How can oh, you yeah. say no? Right, right. And, and then, go ahead. Uh, Robbie Hummel's game is just perfectly aligned for it because, uh, you know, whatever his knees might lack now, uh, you know, he's still 6'8", 6'9", can shoot the ball, can drive an attack, can rebound, um, plays smart, has great court awareness. And next thing you know, he's the male Olympic athlete of the year. That's that's crazy. Uh, USA Basketball, male athlete of the year. Mine sounded cooler. It did. It did. I hate to take that from him, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're nothing if not factual here on the Hammer and Rails <laughs> podcast. But, I mean, you know, he, he basically, this guy calls him up, he joins this league, gets on a team, and then suddenly they're in the 2019 FIBA 3-on-3 World Cup, and they go 7-0 and and win the damn thing. And he was MVP. Yeah, he was, and it's the first time the United States has won this tournament. And yeah. it's all because, basically, well, not all because, I mean, it's a team sport. But, you know, Robbie Hummel's plucked out of retirement, and he helps lead the team to a 7-0 and record, wins MVP, First title for the United States, and now he's on track to um, be in the 2021 Olympics. Yeah, and, you know, I. it's fun to be able to watch your guys play that you watch grow up later. And, you know, we saw it when they play, when Purdue went over to, uh, what was it, Taipei? Taiwan? Uh, Yeah, yes, yes. Uh and had a U.S. uniform on it and played for the country. It's really cool to see that. So when you get to see that also with one of your favorite players growing up, like it's really cool for us. It's really cool for Robbie Hummel. He's still capable of doing his announcing job, so it is an entire win across the board. So hopefully we will see Robbie Hummel uh, on the court in the 2021 Olympics, which were supposed to be 2020. He looks um, pretty good in gold, Levin. <laughs> Well, let's hope he gets one, you know, I mean, I, what, like, what a thrill, you know, to go from thinking your career's over to suddenly having a chance to win a gold medal. I mean, it's a hell of a turnaround from, you know, where he thought he was going to be two years ago. Yeah. If an IU athlete ever won a gold medal, they would still be looking at it in the rafters. Yeah. Yeah. I think they actually would just make him give it away right then and, uh, turn it over so they can put it on a new banner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we wish Robbie the best and hopefully we'll be watching him here soon. So, so moving on from Robbie Hummel, we're going to look at a new, uh, commitment that coach painter and staff got from Braden Smith. I believe I called him Brandon at the top of the show, my mistake. Um, but you know, we've got a couple of years before I can, uh, get it right because he is a class of 2022 recruit. Uh, he is a point guard. So, um, Casey, tell me what you know about this guy. Okay. Braden Smith. He's going to look like a lot of some of the more on the edge recruits that Matt Painter has. A little bit on the smaller side. Um, not super athletic uh, when you think of like jumping out of a gym. You're really uh, selling him so far, so keep going. But let's let's. There we pause. go. There we go. Um. So I said in the chat when we first uh, got the commitment, he kind of looks like Spike Albrecht 2.0. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, he's a short white guard, but he has a lot of game to him. 
he is a really good passer. And I don't just mean like make a smart pass. He makes plays. He's a playmaker. Um, really good with the ball in his hands. He uh, runs his offense already. Really good in the fast break. Really good at driving and dishing. He has um, a really good jump shot, especially for his age. He's got a beautiful fo- floater that he uses pretty much consistently right, left, deep in the paint from anywhere. Um Pretty good finisher, not great, uh, lacks some athleticism at the rim, but he really knows how to control the game, get out in transition. Um, he is pretty quick, uh, and, you know, he's got a lot of big-time schools looking at him already, uh, Gonzaga, for instance, but everything we've heard is that Purdue and Matt Painter is his dream school. As soon as they offered, he jumped on it, and he looks like he could be you know, we haven't had very many point guards that are ball dominant that can really shoot, can really pass, run an offense. And he is a kid that could be all of those things for us. Yeah, I, you know, just looking at some of his stats, um, it looks like in high school he, he's taken over 500 three-point attempts and he's hit him at a 45% clip, which that is something that Purdue desperately needs, especially from the point guard, point guard position where – you know, all too often under Matt Painter, we've we've had three point or, uh, point guards who can't really get the three point shot, and the defense will often lag off of them. Um, so they're forced to kind of make make the pass and and move the ball a little differently. So by putting uh, a guy who has that weapon at the top of the key and moving the ball, hopefully that can make the offense look a little bit different. Yeah, a lot of times when you get a short guy, it's kind of like take what comes to you. You know, it's uh, he'll stand there, hit an open shot. Braden Smith is not that. He is a guy that can make the offense come to him. Um, he can pull defenses in, and any big dude is going to absolutely love playing with him because you watch his high school tape. He gets by guys. He pulls in uh, you know, two to three defenders, and he knows exactly where that defense is coming from. He knows where his guys are, and he finds the open guy. And if you put a big man with him, he is going to give him absolute buckets consistently. So let me ask you this. I mean, you, you, you touched on his height. He's listed as six foot. six foot tall, and he's listed at 165 pounds. Obviously, this guy is not going to come in for a couple years. You know, he's a 2022 recruit, as I said. But, you know, six foot 165, that is a little worrisome to me. That seems kind of small. Um, obviously, that, you know, given a, given a year, year and a half, that weight will probably go up. He's probably going to bulk up a little bit by then. Uh, but I mean, six foot, he may be done growing. So he he may be coming in at six foot. And as we said before we started recording here, if you're listed at six foot, what does that mean your height really is? Does that mean you're 5'10"? Does that mean you're 5'11"? I don't know. Uh, does that worry you at all? And if not, can you tell me why I shouldn't be worried? Size is definitely a thing. It, it, it should worry you because it's something coming off the table. But if you have other stuff to replace it, Um, shooting especially, playmaking, being smart, knowing how to use it. As long as you have those things, basketball is this, you know, intricate little game of, you know, spacing and awareness. And if you have those other things, if you know how to control a court, you can play bigger than you are. You, it it doesn't really matter if you're 5'10 or 6'4. If you get by your guy and get to the rim, the big guy has to come over to you. So if you know how to deal with that, then you're okay. And he is an expert at that by a finding people. And also like 
uh, you watch his game in high school, you can tell that he knows he's not athletic enough to just go straight to the rim. And he has got a his his floater mechanics touch is honestly as impressive as I have seen in high school. Um, that is going to negate a lot of shot blocking. And like I said, if you get by your guy, you're going to break down a defense. And then it just comes into, can you read the offense? And, you know, he looks like he can. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Levin. 2022, I don't, we don't know who's going to be around for sure. But I'm guessing Ethan Morton will be around then. I would think so, yeah. And Braden Smith would be a perfect backcourt companion to someone like Ethan Morton, who is huge for what he can do with the ball. Yeah, and Painter has had success with smaller point guards in the past. I mean, you look at Lewis Jackson, you look at P.J. Thompson, they're both, I believe, listed at 5'10". I don't think either of them are 5'10". <laughs> as, as, no. as someone who has... No, I have stood, stood in the gym with both of them. Yes, I have stood directly next to Lewis Jackson, and I am a man who is all of 5'6", and I can tell you, Lewis Jackson was not four inches taller than me. Yeah, um... But that's the thing. Like, Lewis Jackson played way bigger than he was. Oh, absolutely. And it helps when you are the best athlete on the court, which yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure Lewis Jackson was every day of the week. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure the last time Lewis Jackson went on a basketball court and looked around and was like, man, I can't keep up with these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Braden Smith's not that kind of athlete, um, but he is a little bigger. And if you're good enough at the other things on offense, um, you know, Steve Nash, uh, Lewis Jackson – uh, people like that, you get to dictate the court. And he does have that kind of awareness and uh, skill with the ball that I don't think his size is going to be an issue. And we should, we always have big guys. And what is the point of having big guys and athleticism around them if we can't, you know, look out for a guy who has some defensive deficiencies? What is the point of having all the other positions if you can't cover for them a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, you've made me feel a little bit better. I'm not. I'm not terribly worried about the height now. The weight still gets me a little bit, but you know, given time, he'll get there. Uh, put, put him into a weight program at Purdue. He'll bulk up, I'm sure. But you know, the Big Ten can just be a brutal, brutal season. So, Spike uh, Albrecht. I don't think he was ever a bench press warrior, and uh, well, he took yeah, a team to the national championship game. So. True. True. Yeah. I mean, if if Braden Smith can have the career of Spike. Uh, I think that's a that's a career you'd take gladly. Yeah. Give me that X factor and he's got it. Yeah. So so overall, you know, it sounds like we're we're pretty happy with this commitment. Um, obviously, there's a long time until he steps on the court. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things can change. Who knows what the complexion of the team will be? Um, but anytime you can get a guy who's a who's a good shooter, a good athlete, a good passer, seems to have a good basketball IQ, you're, you're going to be, be pretty happy about that commitment. So there we go. Um, now, our last topic for the day is we're going to be talking NFL draft. So before Casey gets at me about it, I will admit I was wrong about uh, Rondell Moore going in the first round. And I was also wrong <laughs> about ne- Neil being drafted at all. I thought he'd go way late uh, in the draft. Not He did not get drafted. And as of this taping, has not uh, been signed as a free agent. So um, I'll just take my lumps up front. So, Casey, feel free to mock me. Now's your chance. Uh, nah, I'm good. 
Well, that was nice. I, I know. I'm just. I'm. I'm too tired to be mean, Levin. Oh, good. I'm. Good. I'm moving into this new apartment. The last five days. Um, you know, watching watching a TV that I have to lift up off a desk to turn it on. Uh, it's just. I can't. I. I can't bear anymore. All right. Good. Good. So I'm in the. I'm in the clear. Yeah. So. Uh, for those of you who did not watch the NFL draft, Purdue had two players drafted. Um, we had Rondell Moore, who went to the Cardinals, and Derek Barnes, who went to the Detroit Lions. Um, so for, we'll we'll go with Moore first. He was the one drafted um, in the second round by the Cardinals. So we actually we tweeted out uh, Arizona sent out a nice video of Rondell Moore getting the call and um, a little bit of the draft room before. And that was a pretty cool little uh, thing they put together there by their social media team. Just that first phone call of finding out who you're getting drafted by, you know, your name's about to be called. That's a that's a pretty cool little experience that I can't imagine having, obviously. Um, but it, it was cool to see. So I'm pretty happy for Rondell Moore. I think he's going to a good situation. Um, Casey, you were talking about the, the wide receiving core for the Cardinals before we started recording. Tell me what you think he's capable of in this, his rookie season. Yeah. So Cliff Kingsbury um, came in from Texas tech. You know, there was a lot of hype about his offense. Uh, it was pretty remarkable. He got pretty much let go in college and then got a head coaching gig in the NFL. You don't see that. Yeah, that is, That's a nice trajectory. Yeah. So, you know, fail upwards. Um, last year, they made a big splash in the receiving core. Obviously, they uh, maybe had the greatest trade of all time, uh, trading David Johnson <laughs> and like a second-round pick for the best receiver in the game. Well, second best. Who's first? Uh, Devontae Adams. It's not even close. Okay. All right. Um, to get DeAndre Hopkins, who is still there. Um, yeah, I can't – I just – it's still – I mean, of course, everyone from the Texans has now been fired – or should have been, I think, from that point, right? O'Brien's now gone. Yeah, O'Brien is. And, and he was he was one of the guys who was in charge of that decision, right? Yeah, I, he was the GM at the time, head coach yeah. and GM. Head coach and GM, which is a, always always a bad idea, I think. Yeah, it's worked out in literally one place. Yes. So they've got DeAndre Hopkins, and they also have Christian Kirk. They're both pretty talented receivers. Um, last year was. It was a really strange year because um, DeAndre Hopkins pretty much only played from the left side uh, and only ran like a pretty limited number of routes, always from the left side. Um, towards the end of the year, Kingsbury started to expand it a little, but it was something at one point like 90% of his snaps came from one spot on the field. Um, he ran a certain handful of routes. And the thing you really really saw when you watched the Cardinals play last year, they didn't have many playmakers. Uh, you know, Kendrick Drake kind of struggled. Um, Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is a running back, the decent uh, running back out of the backfield. Uh, but AJ Green. Well, he wasn't on the team last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So it was Christian Kirk and it was DeAndre Hopkins. And it was Kyler Murray who could make plays with his leg, but he's still coming along as a passer. And that is part of why I'm so excited about Rondell Moore going there. Because Rondell Moore offers himself as a playmaker from anywhere on the line of scrimmage. You know, his speed, his strength, his change of direction are all things that are, uh, like, very elite. 
Um, they did sign AJ Green, but he's more of a tall receiver. Look for him to move more in the slot because he struggled last year on the outside with the Bengals, but started to get a little bit of uh, threading again coming off his injury late in the year playing out of the slot. But he's not a change of pace guy. He's not a yak guy. Um, and Rondo Moore really fits into an offense that he can make plays from anywhere. Cliff Kingsbury likes to get the ball out really quick. Um, jet screens, bubble screens, slants, little goes. Um, all those things are things that Rondo Moore could absolutely excel at, even in the NFL level. Yeah, and I mean, those are the plays that were kind of the bread and butter for Rondo Moore while he was at Purdue because the thinking was he's the best athlete on the field. You need to get him the ball as soon as you can and let him make a play. I mean, we saw it over and over again, sometimes to the detriment of the offense for Purdue. Um, because it almost became predictable that you knew they were going to get the ball to Rondell Moore. But he's, like you said, he's got elite level speed. He can make people miss. So the quicker you get him the ball, the better it's going to be. And he can line up on the inside, the outside, uh, in a, you know, in a wildcat, maybe in a running back position. Um, and I, I said this earlier, uh, before we started recording that I think his most immediate impact is going to be on return team. Um, and you'd, I mean, agreed to an extent, but you think he's going to have a better uh, ability to get on the on the on the field as a wide receiver right away more than I do. Yeah, you don't draft a guy in the second round if he's only going to be a special teams guy. Um, they definitely have way like a way higher output or outlook on what he can do for them. Uh, Ronald Moore is a special talent. It is unusual to see that kind of speed, that kind of strength, and that kind of playmaking. Like his breakout year, which is a big indicator of NFL success, came his freshman year when he was 18 years old. Right. He was, at 18 years old, a grown man on the field, throwing Buckeyes left and right, acting like Captain America running up the sidelines. Yeah, and I mean, you saw those videos of him squatting like 500-some pounds, and it, uh, he's he's listed at five seven one eighty. I mean, it, it's just unreal. The the guy is a machine. Yeah, and NFL is all about finding special talent. And you know, Cliff Kingsbury, he's he is coaching for his job this year. So he is going to pick. He's not going to pick a guy that he doesn't think can help this year. And this offense, you know, Kendrick Drake is gone. Uh, he went over to the Oakland Raiders, um, and. I I got to think the immediate one of the immediate things about Rondell Moore is just as a jet sweep option two to five times a game. He is a guy we saw this in college that just the idea of him going in motion creates your entire defense getting into a panic. And if you can offer that at the NFL level, show that you're you know, he, he is a professional. He was a professional from the moment he stepped on campus. He's had one eye towards the NFL the entire time. This is all he's wanted. you got to love that in a kid. And I guarantee you he is going to be a focal point out of the slot from day one for the Cardinals. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I like I said last week, actually, I mean, the talent that Rondell Moore brings to the field is unlike many players I've ever seen, at least on the college level. Um, so if you can take that and bring him to a team that already has, you know, a pretty good quarterback already has at least one to two solid, very, very solid, if not great wide receivers, um, and add in him. I mean, I think the Arizona offense can be pretty damn good this year. Um, and 
and Rondell Moore could be a big part of that. So, you know, he I think he landed in a pretty good spot. So up next, we've got Derek Barnes, uh, the linebacker from Purdue, uh, who was drafted by the Detroit Lions. Um, now, anytime you are a football player and you get drafted by the Lions, part of you thinks, oh, no, this is terrible. What has happened? Now you got to uh, worry about yeah. your kneecaps. <laughs> so this, walking dead over I mean, here. I mean, this is this is a team that basically forced Barry Sanders to retire because they were so bad. Um, and Barry Sanders was a generational talent. So <laughs> ditto Calvin Johnson. Well, yeah, Calvin Johnson too. <laughs> for a more recent example, I mean, you know, you take two great position players, do nothing with them more or less, and they're just like, okay, I'm I'm done. Um, so. Casey, tell me why Derek Barnes should not be appalled that he was drafted by the Detroit Lions. The defense sucked before he was there. Well, there you go. All right, next topic. (laughs) So you're saying it's not going to be his fault if they're very bad. It definitely will not be. Um, That was a very slow defense last year. It was one of the worst in the leagues. Um, it, it, It needs an injection of toughness, speed, uh, versatility, all things to Derek Barnes, who's not the biggest guy, but tested pretty well, very quick. Looks like he's going to be really good in coverage in the NFL. All those things, very important and things that, uh, you know, it's not going to be as hard in Detroit to make a roster as it is in some other places. Yes, that is 100% true. And uh, another another thing is just, this is a new regime. You know, Dan Campbell's taken over as coach, coming from the New Orleans Saints. Gave that horrendous... I, oh, there's that a fine, conference. There's a fine line between... I don't know what it is. Some coaches can say these corny, stupid things, and the team will absolutely just, like, go to war for them. And some people, it's just a strange soundbite. And I don't know where he'll fall. We don't know until, honestly, if they have success or not. Yeah, I but, don't even know what he was. I don't even know what he was trying to do in that press conference. But that was one of the weirdest press conference I I've ever seen. Like three knee bites a game. <laughs> three. I mean, he just went we're not going to just do it once. We're going to do it once, get knocked down, come back up, and go again for the kneecap. It was so weird. I mean, it was. It's just bizarre and it's uncomfortable. Yes, just it was so cringeworthy. And like if 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 you're listening to this and you have no idea what you're talking what we're talking about, I encourage you to to Google Lions coach introductory press conference and it's just mind-boggling. But the good thing is Dan Campbell take o- took over. There's a new GM. This is a new regime in the Lions, and this is their first draft class. And this is what you get judged by. The people that you pick stay on your team. So they took Derek Barnes. They have, they're have they not, you know, this isn't Bill Belichick where it doesn't matter who he takes, he's going to be fine in three years. They are going to look at who they selected this year, next year, the third year, and who is still on their roster from their draft picks. And that is a good sign of did you draft good players? Are you having success on the field? So they want Derek Barnes to succeed. They need him to succeed. And that is a good place to be. If you're, you know, you're a mid-round pick. In theory, uh, you're not that valuable. 
You're not going to cost that much. You're not a linchpin. But they need these picks to fill in holes, to show improvement, to stick around. So this is a good place to be, especially for someone uh, like Derek Barnes, who I think molds perfectly into a new age linebacker that is that needs to be as good in coverage as they are stopping the run, getting to the quarterback. And he has shown himself to be well-rounded and very quick closing, um, chasing down the ball. So I think this is a perfect spot for Derek Barnes. Yeah, he's he has shown good sideline to sideline speed, and that has become increasingly important in the league if you're going to be a linebacker that actually makes a difference. So, you know, if if he is given the chance, like you said, by this new regime, and they they do need to prove that the people they've chosen in this draft can make a difference, you know, he could find himself on a pretty good spot. It's just unfortunate that it's with the Lions, a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 1991. So. You'd always you'd always hope to go to a winner, but at the same time, you turn this team into a winner, you're a legend. So you take take the good with the bad and try to find your best way. So good luck to uh, Derek Barnes there in Detroit. Now, the only thing I have... haven't done since '91 is poop my pants. Oh, I there were about a hundred <laughs> ways I was afraid of that sentence ending. <laughs> I I honest to God had that no seems, idea. That seems that seems like an accurate metaphor for the Detroit Lions, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And mine's because I was born in 88, so, like, I was in diapers before 91. <laughs> Trust me, as the father of an 11-month-old, <laughs> I'm well aware of diapers. Well aware of diapers. Uh... So, uh, other than those two, Purdue had two players, as of this recording, uh, who have been signed as free agents. Grant Herman's free agent with the Jets, and Tyler Coyle, free agent with the Cowboys. So, I mean, we don't know what kind of deals those guys are going to get. But the only thing I'll say about being a free agent after the draft is, for me, I would almost rather be a free agent than get drafted in the last round. Absolutely. Because, 100%. I, I mean, in the free agent situation, you at least get to choose where you go. You get to find the best situation for yourself. Whereas if you're, you know, if you're Mr. Irrelevant, um, drafted in the last round, the last pick, you're just you're there. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I would rather be an undrafted free agent and get to choose where I want to go. Uh, sounds like you agree with me. Hundred percent. And you know what those two uh, those two like signees have in common? You couldn't sign not. you couldn't sign up for a worse offense than the Jets, so good job Hermans. <laughs> and you couldn't sign up for a worse defense than the Cowboys, so good job Coyle. You know, just you, you just you love to you love to see opportunity. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Well, I, just really bad. Both of those squads, just really bad, but you know, the Jets are going to look for some offensive line. They just drafted a new shiny quarterback. So anyone who shows any promise, like, they're going to keep him because they're going to want to keep Zach Wilson upright. Uh, yeah, keeping your quarterback upright, I've I've found. And again, I, I you know, I'm not an NFL GM as evidenced by my uh, my choices about drafting players on the last podcast. But it seems to me keeping your quarterback upright, fairly important. Especially when you have to you have to make the fourth best quarterback look like the second best quarterback. You're really going to want to get him <laughs> some extra time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good luck to those guys. Uh, and hopefully as the days go by, we'll see a few more. Um, hopefully Lorenzo Neal jr. Finds himself a spot and uh, can, can focus on football, get himself back in shape and, and find a place where he can make a difference. So we're looking out for any additional signings that might happen as the days go by. So uh, that kind of wraps it up. We, we end 
the show each week with a recommendation. Casey, it is your turn this week. I know you were going back and forth on a couple things, so let's find out where we landed. What do you got this week? I mean, to be honest, I entirely forgot during this whole podcast, and I didn't think about it much this week. Like I said, I was, uh, you know, moving around. I, I'm actually going to change. Uh, I'm going to change my thing. I would like to have a recommendation that's like Purdue oriented, you know, wrapped around something that other Purdue fans like. But I, I don't have one this week, so I, I'm going to go instead with a Ringer podcast called The Recipe Club. The Recipe Club? Recipe is this, Club. Is this literally a cooking podcast? Uh, it's kind of a cooking podcast. It's with Chef David Chang of Momofuku. Okay. Fame. Okay. Um, he's a frequent guest on, well, it used to be on like a Bill Simmons podcast. Now he's got his own uh Podcast on the Ringer does uh, quite a few of them, but he is a funny, insightful chef. Um, and pretty much, they have this wheel of destiny. They choose a food type that lands on that, and then the three what? participants all make a meal they find on the internet, and then they vote on what they all make the meals, and then they all vote on which was the best out of them, and then you can make along at home. Um, it's fun. It's food. Everyone likes food, right, Lemon? Yes, that is true. I had some earlier. It was quite nice. It, it, food's great. Um, so it's a nice little – so, yes, it's got some cooking show vibes, but also it's just fun banter, and it's called The Recipe Club. And to be honest, I, I'm going to uh, – I'm going to mail some of these uh, recommendations in when life gets busy, and this good, is good. my first one. So d- let me ask you this. Yeah. This wheel that they spin, you said it has food things on it. What, do you mean like – it has like a, an ingredient they have to use or like a little bit of like dessert, a little bit of both. So the title of the episode is usually what it lands on. So like the last one was dips. Okay. So it could be okay. any dips. The one before it though was spaghetti. Um, sometimes it's an ingredient like okra. Okay. And it's, so it's almost a pick- bit, it sounds, a, it sounds a bit like a, like an iron chef kind of situation, but instead of an ingredient, it's like you got to do X, you got to do Y, you got to make a dip, you got to make spaghetti, or you got to use okra. So it's, you know, it's almost like a like a competition sounds like, but they're not, they're more fun with it yeah, than it's uh, a loose actual, form competition. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Now, do they like do they give you the recipes at the end? Like, are you able to get these recipes? Uh, you are. Usually, they sometimes they like choose their own. Uh, but a lot of times it's stuff they find on the internet and then they've got like a Facebook group and then, uh, I believe they have their own website and stuff okay. where you can, like, okay. you know, find the recipes they made. Well, good. You know, um, as someone who's taken on a lot more of the cooking recently, since I work from home and my wife actually has to go into the office, uh, this might be something I look into. So once again, uh, Casey, what is the name of the podcast? Recipe Club. All right, so uh, look for that wherever you get your podcasts, and also check out our podcast that you're finishing now. Go like, subscribe, leave a review or rating, and uh, you know keep coming back week after week because Casey and I are just going to be talking into the void, and uh, we'd love to hear from you when we post it on the site, when we get it on Twitter, on Facebook. Do what you need to do to get uh, to get a hold of us. Um, hammer that subscribe button, and we'll chat with you next week. Thanks, folks. Barbecue sauce.